Thank you for joining me on episode 45 of the Unique on a Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I am your host, Rachel Gentleman, just a regular gal trying to help people know they are called to be victors in Christ Jesus. And today, mom, grandma, associate pastor, blue star mother, and now author, Sherry Machek joins us. And when both of Sherry's sons went into the military, there really weren't any resources for moms that had not just become empty nesters, but empty nesters to Uncle Sam. And she gets raw and real sharing her struggles as a military mom and how you can be the best military mom God has called you to be. Welcome back to the Unique On Purpose podcast, and I'm really excited. Well, I'm excited every single week, but my guest today is a dear friend that I've known. Sherry, I don't know how long we've known each other. Has it been at least 10 years, I think? Yeah, so I was thinking about that. No, nine, because I was pregnant with my son. You just had a new, new baby. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So I was pregnant with my son, I think, the very first time we met, Mm -hmm. and he's going to be nine in a couple weeks. So we've known each other a long time. We're both a part of the Assemblies of God, so we were both Assemblies of God ministers, and then we just kind of met through just different networking. Yeah, different events or places that we would pastor events and such. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm excited to have you on because you just recently wrote a book, and it has nothing to do with vocational ministry, but it has everything to do with ministry, really, when you think about it. Yeah. And But first, tell me who you are. You're a wife, you're a mom, you're an associate pastor, but you are recently a grandma. I I know. That's probably my most exciting thing. Um, We have baby Gracie. She is, gosh, she's six weeks old right now, so Mm -hmm. she's in Florida, but... Yeah, being a grandparent has been crazy because you realize you have this beautiful little life and you don't have to have responsibility for anything. Like, I don't have to worry about what she eats or what school she's going to go to. All I get to do is spoil her, and it's so fun. So well, and, and you are a boy mom. Boy mom. So the to fact have that a you, girl. Yeah, it's like God's reward it is. for you. Yeah, she's going to be spoiled. I think we've already promised her a pony, so... <laughs> I don't know. It might not be good for my marriage, but, we, you know, we're going to get through it. It's going to be fun. Well, first, tell me, who is Sherry? And then we're going to get a little bit into your book. Mm. Who's Sherry Machek? Who is Sherry Machek? That's kind of a loaded question. I think we were recently asked like about our marriage, because we've been married almost 30 years. And I think the question was, what have you learned over the 30 years, right? Mm-hmm. And I think what you learn is that you change as a person like mm. throughout the years. So, yeah, yeah. You know, when you are a stay-at-home mom and you have little ones, that's your identity. And then when you, you know, get a career, that's your identity. But as you go through life, you just realize that you change and you're not always the same person. Mm -hmm. And so now in this stage of my life, I feel like I have, gosh, I'm going to be 50 next year. So I'm 49. you don't look it at all. Yeah. You totally passed for 35. So that's so sweet. That's why we're (laughs) friends. But I just feel like, you know, who I am now is so much different from who I was, you know, even 10 years ago. So my heart right now is that I just want to, you know, leave an imprint mm-hmm. somehow that my life made a difference in other women's lives. I want to empower ladies. And I have this special heart for especially young moms because mm-hmm. I know I remember those days yeah. when you don't sleep and yeah. you are you feel like you lost your vocabulary because all mm-hmm. you do is talk to babies, but just to empower them in that place. And so my new role in life, I think, is just to raise up women to be who God called them to be in any stage of life that they're in. Which is so funny because you're a boy mom. You raised boys. Yeah. And now as an empty nester, you feel this pull of, I want to empower yeah. women. Yeah, for sure. Which I think is really neat. Yeah. It's just funny how God God does that. Yes. Well, you wrote this book called Remember the Lilies, and I am going to try 
the best I can not to cry throughout this whole interview ah. because I cried through the whole book, Sherry. And I'm not just saying that because we're friends. Like, right. I bought the book because I'm like, yay, my friend wrote a book and I'm going to support her. <laughs> and I buy this book right. and I'm like bawling through the whole thing because it was just so beautiful. And we were talking about writing books earlier. When you write a book, it's your heart on paper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's exactly what it is. And But you're not coming from the perspective of a female in ministry or a female pastor. You're coming from the perspective of a military mom. Yeah. Tell me, let's just go back. Tell me a little bit about the story of your boys and going through the military, the struggle the internal and external struggle that you had there. Yeah. So I was raised, my dad was a Vietnam vet. Mm -hmm. So I was raised to, you know, have the love of country and patriotism. And when I was in high school, they had desert storm. And so I was able to watch how, you know, the men in uniforms would come and tell teachers that their sons are not going to make it home. So Mm. my view of of military was very skewed in that it was like the last resort. Like, don't go to the military because (laughs) I saw what Vietnam did to my dad. You know, I saw what um, these boys not coming back did to the our teachers that, you Mm -hmm. know, when I was in high school. And so when I was raising my boys, it never crossed my mind because they had options. You know, Mm -hmm. you have options. Mm -hmm. We own a plumbing business, so you can totally, you know, get your apprenticeship and be a plumber and take over the business. You can Mm -hmm. go to college. Like, military is the last thing you should ever do. Mm -hmm. So we never really talked about it. Mm -hmm. And then when my oldest son came home and said, you know, he came home from break from college and said, I think I want to join the Navy. I was like, oh, no, you don't. (laughs) Like, no, you have options. This is terrible news. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I went into having my kids join the military was still this really bad taste in my mouth about how devastating it can be. Mm -hmm. And knowing full well that if my kids should go in the military, there's a good chance they could come back, you know, in a casket with a flag on Mm. it. And so that is a whole nother level of patriotism that I didn't know if I was ready to do. Like, I love my country and I love, you know, that. But am I willing to sacrifice my son? (laughs) Right. Right. No, thanks. Like, and I, I, I do. I take so much pride in like um, the vets and I, I want to honor them well, but gosh, when it's your own kid, it's super hard. So that's how it it started out. And just me having to sort through my lens of military of not being maybe the worst thing in the world, you Mm -hmm. know? So I had to open that door up and let God, you know, reveal to me that you are coming at this with a really bad taste in your mouth and maybe you can find your way through this. Mm -hmm. So, so your son comes home and he says, and it was the Navy. It was the Navy. Okay. So he comes home. He says, I want to be, I want to join the Navy. Did he finish college or did he just go straight and sign up? Yeah. So I read about this in the book. So he came home and it was, it must've been like Christmas break and he was getting straight A's in college. He had a scholarship. Like he was on track. He was Mm going to do great things. And so when he came home and said this, we said, you know what? You need to finish this year out at least. Mm -hmm. And we'll pray about it in the meantime. And we're not going to move on this thing until we are all in agreement, whether you're going or you're staying, you Mm -hmm. know? And he honored that because he knew that Mike and I were people of prayer and Mm -hmm. that we would fervently pray about this Mm -hmm. and he needed to have a blessing to go. And so I just think I I find that fascinating because I think most kids and when I say kids, I mean, he was an adult. Yeah. But I could see most kids saying, I'm sorry, like I'm an adult now and I'm just going to do what I want. But he didn't. Or they just go sign, you know, and they come back and say, hey, I just signed for the military. Yeah. Which would be devastating. I can't even (laughs) imagine that. But yeah, no, he was super honoring in how he wouldn't move without our blessing, Mm -hmm. which made me have to really search my own heart and do him 
do service. You mm-hmm. know, if, if he was going to trust me to see, seek God in it, I had to go seek God in it. Yeah. And then through that, God released him to go. Like he, even though I didn't want him to, sometimes if God says move, you move because he says move. And so, so what was that like for you? You're in prayer and you just hear God say, you just got to let go. Like what is, what was going on there? How did you know that this is okay? So as I was praying, my whole prayer to God was change his mind, change his mind, change his mind. Like, God, I know you can change his mind. You can change his mind. God, change his mind. Because one of us had to come back and say, you can't go. Like, yeah. Because I, the, the deal was we were all going to be in agreement. So he was ready to go. And every question that we asked him regarding the military, he had an answer for. So he was all in. There was no questions left. He was 100% sure this is what he was going to do. Um, and so I knew that he was sure. I knew Mike and I were both on the fence, but Mike would be more of a, just let the kid do what he wants to do kind of dad, you know? Mm-hmm. But in prayer, I was like, you can't let him go. God, this will be devastating. This is the worst. Like, I can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. And as I began to pray, I knew that God was giving me a peace, even in my not letting him go. I didn't have a reason he couldn't go, except my own flesh. What year was this? Was this a time of turmoil in the country or was this, nothing no, so going on? He went in in 2012. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't terrible at the time. So I wasn't really worried so much about that. Like he wasn't going to be straight off to war, you Mm -hmm. know, but I just knew that if I didn't give him a blessing and release him to do what God was calling him to do, that would put him in a decision of, do I follow what I think God wants me to do or do I follow my mom? And I don't ever want to be the parent that makes my child choose mom over what God's decision would be. Did you ever think with watching your boys grow up that you would be at that place where you would struggle with what your kid wanted to do or what God would call no. them to do? No, no, <laughs> They're going to grow up and be amazing human beings and do jobs that are, you know, going to benefit my life. Right. We're going to be lawyers or doctors or <laughs> no. And I he was a kid that I thought would be an amazing teacher or, you know, you never look at it. You know, and I think you and I have talked about, you don't know who's around your table. Like you have no idea who you're raising. Mm -hmm. And so, but you always think they're going to do something incredible with their lives. Mm -hmm. But we don't get to pick what that incredible is. Right. God does. Because military is incredible. Yes. You just didn't realize the sacrifice that that was going to mean. So what was that like for you? Let's talk about the first year. He's in the Navy. How was that for you? And then the dynamic between you and your husband and then the son that was still at home. Yeah. So the first year that Adam was in, I think the initial shock of military, you get thrown straight in, right? Mm -hmm. So your kids get nabbed away from you and you don't get to see them all through their boot camp. Yeah. And you guys are a close family. Super close. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Me and my boys, we've always just been super close. And it's funny because my youngest son's wife now says, you know, in high school, we always knew you were a mama's boy. That's just how it was. (laughs) Because we just did have a really great, you know, relationship. And so to have him now pulled from your life because you don't have any contact with him other than what he writes home in boot camp letters. Mm -hmm. And then after boot camp graduation, he got sent straight over to Japan. Mm -hmm. So there was a huge, just a loss that you feel because he's so far away. Mm. And then while in Japan, six months out of the year, he was out on an aircraft carrier and there's no communication there. Mm -hmm. So it was a whole dynamic of the hardest part is you can't get to him. So if they're having a hard day, if they're going through a hard time, I can't get to them like I could when he was at college, mm-hmm. like I could when he was at home. Like I can't get to him and I can't help. He's He's got to muddle through this on his own. 
And, um, and that doesn't matter if he's in Japan or if he's domestic. Like, sure. you can't help him at all. No. No Mil- matter where he is. Military is something you cannot penetrate as a mother. Like, they do not care. <laughs> so Mike had to watch me just go through this, all the emotions, mm-hmm. all the grief, all the loss, all the, even the empty nest stuff that I still was dealing with. I just, I was completely lost in how I was going to find my feet through this. I don't know how to mother him. I don't know how to help him. I don't know what is going on in his life. I I felt like everything I knew as a mom had been taken from me. And now I was, I was completely lost. Mm-hmm. And Mike, you know, watching me go through even a depression of watching his wife deteriorate because she couldn't find her way through the Navy, you know, being a Navy mom, it was, it was hard. It was hard on our marriage. It was hard on my relationship with Matthew, who was still in high school, mm-hmm. and he was super involved in, you know, sports and that, and I needed to be there for him. And I, you don't realize the toll your grief and your loss and your depression is taking on the ones around you mm-hmm. until something wakes you up from that. And in the book, I talk about how my youngest son is the one who actually showed me that I was in grief and I had to find my way through the grief. And how did he do that? He had... Well, he had been watching this for quite some time, and then one day he showed up um, with a card and a uh, bag of Oreo cookies, and he gave it to me uh, with a big hug, and it wasn't any special occasion, just that he was loving me. And the card said, I'm so sorry for your loss. Mm. And it was a grief card, and he was saying, I'm so sorry, Mom, that you feel the loss of Adam. You know, And we as a family, and I know that he felt the loss. It was, they were best friends. Mm-hmm. And I knew our whole household had felt the loss, but to have your son recognize that I was mourning my child like he was dead mm-hmm. <laughs> and to say, hey, you know, I'm here for you, mom, and I'm sorry you're going through this loss, but we're going to get through this together. It's when I realized, oh, my goodness, this is grief. Mm-hmm. This is grief that I'm going through and I have to give this to God. Yeah. And then you didn't just go through this with Adam. Suddenly you had to go through it Again! a second time. Ah! So tell me about Matthew. Yeah, so Matthew, um, so he he was three years behind in school, and he did the same thing Adam did. He went off to college, and Adam, or Matthew had a hard time in college. He didn't like it at all. Um, he just was not, college isn't meant for everybody. You know, they're not. And so we figured he'd be better in the trades. So in December, um, after the semester, we just brought him home because he was really in a bad place. And I remember him reaching for my hand um, sometime in January, and he said, Mom, I want to go talk to a recruiter. And I I wasn't as surprised by him because he had always loved the Army growing up. He was always going to be, you know, he wanted all the Army things. You know, he wanted the Army jacket. But at the and, same time, you thought you, he was safe. Like when he went to college, you He's safe. Like, yes, okay. yes. <laughs> but I also know that he watched me grieve. Like he mm. watched what, what had happened with Adam. And so he knew that this was another big ask for his mom's heart. Like, mm-hmm. And for him to find the guts to say to his mom that... It was just coming out of the ashes. You know, I want to go talk to recruiter. He knew how hard that was going to be for me. Yeah. And this little whippersnapper, <laughs> you know, did it to a bigger degree because what he went into is he's a bomb tech mm-hmm. in the army. So he was going to sign up to be the guy that went to defuse all the bombs. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I thought, are you joking, God? Like, not <laughs> only do I have to have my son, you know, two boys in and now you're just up in the ante with, you know, the, the degree of danger, mm-hmm. you know. And so but he he went into the recruiter's office and I read about this in the book about how he, too, needed his mother's blessing and he needed to know I was going to be OK. Like he didn't want me to go through the grief that he saw me go through with Adam mm-hmm. because he knows how broken I was. Mm-hmm. 
but I was stronger. Like God had brought me through that whole trial with Adam and I recognized, I was beginning to recognize my calling to be a mom to the military and I was stronger the second time around. So I could take the next hit. I could take the next, not only is he going, but now he's going to go and he's going to defuse bombs. Like, <laughs> come on, kid. <laughs> and was, was Adam still in Japan at this he point? He was still in Japan. Yep. Okay. Yep. And then did Matthew, I'm sure you can't share, obviously, a ton of details. And you do make that a point in the book. Hey, there are things that I cannot share sure, because yep. Matthew's still in the military. Yes. Did he have to go overseas? He had two deployments so far. He's been to Afghanistan and to Syria. Okay. Yep. And that was, I remember, I remember back when, I think it was during, during the Obama administration, when that was a big concern of, are we going to Syria and I remember that that was a huge concern for you as are my boys going to, I mean, we didn't end up going to war with them, sure. but that was a possibility. Yeah. Right. And right. that was your concern. Yeah. Was, was my son going to go over there? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, I mean, it, it's all once they are deployed, mm-hmm. um, it's a whole different, it's a whole different animal, you mm-hmm. know? And when Adam was deployed, he was on an aircraft carrier and what they did was a little bit differently than what what Matthew was called to do. So I just knew deployment was going to be tough because it's the first deployment was nine months long. So it was, Mm. it was a long, it was a long season. So Mm -hmm. now you mentioned something a little bit ago, and this is the biggest thing that I got out of the book. And you said, my calling is to be a military mom. That struck me to the core. Explain that to me. Right. So what, as I was going through all of this, I just began to journal with the Lord and I just began to see like, God, what is my role in my children's lives while they are in the military? And as I began to journal and just work things out with the Lord and in the book, I share a lot about what God showed me and brought me through. But I just realized that from the time I was in my mother's womb, God always knew I was going to be a military mom. So mm-hmm. he had been equipping me for something that I wasn't ready to step into. And my children stepping into the military then catapulted me into a place of you are called to be a military mom. (laughs) Like I have equipped you to be in this place. Mm -hmm. And I believe that no matter what your children do, um, this book is wrote through the lens of a mom who has kids in the military. But no matter what role you have as a mom, so you're a mom to a teacher or a doctor or a veterinarian or a police officer or a a child that hits the mission, the mission field. Right. Mm -hmm. God has already equipped you to parent that adult child. Yeah. And um, you and I had shared a little bit, like if your child becomes a teacher right now, teachers are really in a battle. I mean, mm-hmm. they are really in a battle. You, that mother of that teacher child goes to war for that teacher child. And that's her calling. That's, that's her calling. She's yeah. been equipped for this, even though she doesn't know it. And once we realize, oh, my goodness, like I should be at war to protect my child and I'm equipped to do this, then we become like, oh, my gosh, I'm this. I'm I'm a warrior for my adult child in whatever mm-hmm. career God called them to be. So yeah. I was equipped to be a military mom. And I didn't even realize that until my kids stepped into that role. So if you would have told me when I was 20, you are equipped to be a military mom, I would have laughed. Mm -hmm. But from the time that I was little all the way through and even having the experience I had with my with my father and the things I saw through Desert Storm and all that stuff, God was building in my heart the tools I would need to become a military mom, Mm -hmm. not only to my children, but to the other children the other military kids around my children and how mm-hmm. I would, I was, I was praying for nations before I even knew that I was praying for my nation or the president or how I was equipped to step into a role that was bigger than I could have ever imagined or dreamed. Mm-hmm. And I think what I found fascinating, cause yeah, I'm reading this book, not as a military mom. Now I grew up 
my dad was a Marine. My mom was in the Army. Like, yeah. you know, okay. I grew up in a military family, but I'm not a military mom. Yeah. But when you said my calling is to be a military mom, I never looked at it that way before, that when my kids are grown up mm. and I'm an empty nester, yeah, I'm still their mom, but their calling is, in a sense, my calling. Yeah. And that, I think, was so profound to me that I never... I just never thought about that. Yeah. Before. Yeah. So there's wherever they stepped into you're a warrior for that place. Yeah. And that's that's amazing. So you're called to have, you know, the the passion and for that calling. It's a it's a it's a partnership with your child in that your calling is to be a mother to whatever career that is. Do you feel because your kids were in the military and because they were deployed that your prayer life went up exponentially? Yeah, because you begin to pray prayers more targeted for the areas where your children stand. You definitely mm. do. So if your if your child is a teacher, your prayers are now going to be around the public school system. Mm-hmm. They're going to be around, you know, your government and what they're going to do. If your mm-hmm. child, you know, becomes a doctor, you're going to be you know, praying for, you know, the medical associations. And I mean, your your prayer world starts to fire up inside of you the the areas of expertise that your children are walking because you're covering that career. Tell me more about that because you do talk about that in the book and how your prayers go with them. The anointing of my prayers and the protection of the father cover them as they go. Go into a little bit more detail because I don't think people realize the power of their prayers or the fact that our prayers last. Yeah. Oh yeah. So what I found and there's examples in the Bible about, you know, how, Jesus saw you under a fig tree, right? Mm-hmm. So there's things that we can see and we can do if we spend some time in prayer. And I realized that if I just spend some time in prayer, and there's an example in the book of how God just had me out praying for no reason that I couldn't even figure out what the reason was. But as I was praying and just spending time with the Lord, my son was actually being sent out on a secret mission while he was being deployed. So mm. God had me praying stateside for something that was happening across the globe. And so I knew that after I found out that that's what that prayer session was about, I realized that I had just partnered with heaven to cover my child across the globe. And so as that happens, your prayers go with them wherever they are. So they have to first have your blessing to go, right? Mm -hmm. Because then they take along, you know, the anointing you have as a mother and your prayers then begin to encompass them in whatever they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, But they last. So if I, you know, if I get up every morning and I'm praying for my child, the head to protection that entire day, I'm in prayer for that. That goes with them. It goes out the, the the door, like the threshold, and it just flows out to wherever they are. Holy Spirit can, you know, go through time and space, and there's no distance. And if I pray right here today, the refugees, right, mm-hmm. that prayer lands on them. Mm-hmm. So we have to be prayer warriors so that our prayers are landing on our children in the places that they're setting their feet. Mm-hmm. And to give a little Bible lesson right now, I don't think people realize what our prayers do in the spiritual realm. And the book of Daniel gives us that perfect Mm. example where Daniel was fasting and praying for three weeks. And finally the angel came and was like, Hey, God's heard your prayers and gives him a glimpse glimpse of angels and demons fighting in the spiritual realm. And because Daniel was fasting and praying, the angels won against the demons. Our prayers help demons and angels fight. But he says, I was on my way. From the moment you started to pray, I was on my way, but there was a Mm, battle in heaven. So it's like, while you were praying, there was a battle going on and we, we won because you persisted and you pressed in. Yeah. So if we don't give up, there's a real battle out there between heaven and earth. And 
we can move heaven on behalf of our children for mm-hmm. sure. Absolutely. Now you alluded to this just a few minutes ago, but I want to go into more detail. You said that you were not just a mom to your boys, but you were a mom to other boys in the military. Explain. I say boys, but that's because yeah. they're so much younger than us. Yeah. Men, young yeah. men in the military. Explain that to me. Give me some examples of that. So what, what I found in the military is there is a camaraderie and a family system that I have never seen anywhere else. So when my son was in Japan, I got to see firsthand how the fellow Navy folk you know, enveloped him and they became his family when we couldn't be there. Mm-hmm. They were just brothers from other mothers. Mm-hmm. I just, it was just an amazing thing. And in the army, the same thing, the different companies that, you know, my army boy works in, that becomes his family. And those mm-hmm. are the ones that have his back, you know, when he's overseas. There's just something about a brotherhood and a sisterhood that rises up. And so when I get introduced as these are my parents or this is my mom and my dad, they immediately call us mom and dad because it's, If it's your family, it's my family. That's Mm. how the military is. Mm -hmm. But the beauty of what we got to experience is we got to bring in, you know, a mom that prays or a mom that sends care packages or a mom that, you know, can can shoot a letter because there's kids in the military that have nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, I went to the boot camp graduations and nobody was there. You know, Mm. I went to when our kids were coming home for holidays. Like if there's someone who doesn't have a home to go home to, don't let them stay at the barracks, like bring them home. And they got to see a mom who warred for them and prayed for them and who honestly cared because some of them don't have that. Yeah. And to have a mom and a dad, you know, Mike and I are, a rarity in that we've been married for almost 30 years, 31 years um, to have like to for those kids to see, oh, my gosh, Adam's parents are amazing because they they come as a pair. And whenever we would go see them, we would go together and we would wrap our arms around these boys and just say, your family to us and home mm-hmm. is always home. And just this last weekend, Adam's roommate from Japan was in Michigan. And so we got to hang out with Dalton and just uh, spoil him because he's he's a, he's always going to be our son from another mom like forever mm-hmm. we, he will be part of our family yeah because that's what the military has taught us is that families beyond blood and it's just how God positioned us to be able to love these kids well and what a mission field oh my that word you have yes. here yeah I mean I'm sure a lot of these young men and women join the military because they do feel that they have no other option Nothing. and yes. so to be able to come and see a Christian married couple, mom and dad, yeah. that have a very good marriage and that want to pour into them. What a huge witness. Yeah. What an opportunity that you have. Like yeah. you're, you're you're a missionary, mm. but you never you never would have thought you'd be a missionary in this way. Right. You know, and to think that my calling was to be a missionary amongst the, you know, the military is just it's a, it's a crazy thought. But God was doing something before time to get me into this place. So how do I use that well? You know, how do I steward that calling well? And it's just to look for opportunities to be that godly parent or godly mom to boys of other moms. Mm -hmm. Go back a little bit when your boys were first taken in and then all of a sudden you have no contact with them. Mm. You get in the mail, they're close. Yeah. What was that like for you? Oh, I hated that box. Yeah, that was awful. And describe that because I don't think most people, I mean, I never heard of that before until I read it. So describe what that is. Yeah. So Adam, they put you on a bus and they bus you from Lansing to Great Lakes. That's where the Navy has their boot camp. Once they get there, they are, everything they have is taken away from them. They, I mean, their clothing, their cell phones, everything. And it's put into a box and they get a phone call home and the phone call is, I've arrived Um, you're going to get a letter in the next week or so about our graduation. 
and you're going to get a box in the mail. And those are the only three sentences he was allowed to tell us. Mm -hmm. And then the phone went dead. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, that box shows up and it has everything that was anything that identified my son as Adam Machak was in that box. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you look at that box of clothing and you look at all of his things. And I knew at that moment they were stripping him of everything he was. Of his entire identity. Yeah. And they were going to build back in him what they wanted to be, you know, in this, in, to be a sailor, to be mm-hmm. in the military, to be somebody that they created them to be. And so I knew that he was going through an, an intense transformation because he had nothing of his own. Mm. He was completely, you know, stripped bare of all of that. Mm-hmm. And then what was it like for you to get that box when Adam went through? I mean, was it easier because you had done it before? You were more prepared? Well, for the army, they don't send the box home. Oh, they don't. They okay. lock. They lock it up. So I only got oh. the box once. I was prepared for it. I was prepared for it. <laughs> uh-huh. But no, they just locked all their stuff up into a locker, and then they get it after they graduate. So I didn't get that box, but it didn't change the fact that I knew the same process was happening because mm-hmm. that's what the military does. They break you down, and then they build you back up into be soldiers and sailors and Marines, Air Forcemen, whatever you know, into being. The strong military men and women that they need you to be. Mm-hmm. So they have to break you first to then build you back up. And I've heard it said that being a mother of a son is the world's longest breakup. <laughs> but here it was like yeah. you had to break up like hardcore. Yeah. You know, because yeah. when you're in the military, the government owns you. Yep. And like you said, your son was completely stripped of his identity and is yep. pretty much given a new one. I yeah. mean, that had to have been hard. It's not, I'm not saying your child going off to college isn't hard, oh, but sure. when they go off to college, Very they're different. just a phone call away. You can text them. Very I mean, you different. couldn't even do, you had your son's cell phone. Yeah. 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 He didn't have a cell phone. He had, the way that they called home from the Navy is they had pay phones. When he was away at college, I could still get to him. You know, mm-hmm. he has, was three hours away. He was down in Detroit, but. I, I could still get to him or I could get him home. Mm-hmm. Even if he was in the States somewhere, like, I, you know, I could get to him if he was at college. But when you're in the military, you they don't care if mom wants to talk to you. Like, <laughs> they don't care about that kind of stuff. They're not going to let me Where in the gate. Where are your mama now? Yeah. Is kind of yes. how it is. They're not going to let me in the gate to talk to him. So, yeah. And it, to not have any contact with them after you've had, I always wonder how my mom and dad ever did it without us having cell phones as kids, right? Because mm-hmm. I could get a hold of my kids wherever, you know, I could, yeah. I, and same, they could always get a hold of me. Because they had cell phones. And mm-hmm. now I had no way of talking to them or, and maybe it's terrible that I had that kind of a, a connection to them because it, you're used to it. You mm-hmm. know, you're used to being able to be there for your kids all through high school and then to not have, I mean, you have zero contact and all you have are letters coming home. And then in the letters, they are raw and they are broken and they, they tell you things that they're not allowed to voice because while they're going through boot camp. They're not allowed to feel. They're not allowed to talk. They're not allowed to have any of their own emotions. They're they're wrong for everything all the time, no matter what they do. They're told what to wear, when to wear it. They're they're ripped out of their beds in the dead of night. Like they are just um put through it. And so you get those letters home and your heart is, I have to go save my child. Like, <laughs> you know, you want to go get them out of that nightmare that they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a whole growing point of learning what were they going through. So there's a, a part in the, in the book where I talk about you go through a crucible, like you go through the heat because God's creating something in you, you need later down the road. Mm-hmm. And so that's what my boys are going through. And me too. Like I was going through something I was going to need down the road mm-hmm. to be stronger. If I couldn't make it through boot camp, there's no way I was going to make it through a deployment, mm-hmm. you know? So there's a lot that happens while you're being broke down mm-hmm. and being rebuilt. Mm-hmm. 
So it's not just, but it's not just them that's being broken down and rebuilt. It's you too. Yes, for sure. So the book is called A Military Mom's Journey. Remember the lilies learning to release the power of heaven over our children. Why? What prompted you to write the book? Because you could have gone through all of this and not put it down on paper. What prompted you to say, I need to write a book about my journey? Right. So because I was in such a bad place when this first happened, um, just emotionally and mentally, and I was broken. I began to look for any kind of resource of a big sister who would have mm-hmm. went through this and say, yeah. hey, baby girl, I got you. I've been through this. And I couldn't find anything mm-hmm. that would um, raise me up to a place of lifting my head to God. I needed to be able to be lifted up into a place where I could see him in this. Like I yeah. need to see his face. And I couldn't find it anywhere. So my journals just became a place where I was crying out to God. Like, would you please show me how to find you in this? Would you please show me how to, you know, be... Um, restored to better than I was before. Mm-hmm. And as I began to journal this out, I just realized that when I sat at the graduation, the very first time when my son graduated from Great Lakes, which is the Naval boot camp, there was 500 graduates that went through that day. Mm-hmm. I could not have been the only mother that was yeah. broken this entire time. Yeah. And so at that point I thought, okay, there's gotta be another mom here that needs me to say, let me show you how we get through this together. Mm. And so I thought I was going to do a 30 day devotional Mm -hmm. and I wrote down the 30 things that God had. This is it. These are the 30 key points that, you know, I I know that I I could share with women and I could build them up and I could empower them and I could show them their true calling and I could show them how their kids are catalysts to become great warriors, you know, in the spiritual realm. And that 30 day devotional turned into chapters (laughs) and I realized this can't be a devotional because it's too long. So it turned into a book. Mm hmm. And then you named it Remember the Lilies, and you kind of describe that in the book. Yeah, so chapter five goes into a whole the, a whole season of worry that I went through mm-hmm. before this ever happened um, and how God brought me back to that place of you got through and you conquered worry. So we got we to remind you of that. Like, we got to remind you, you already won this. Mm-hmm. We're not going to go through it again. You're not going to be a mom <laughs> that worries because you killed it once before. And so I just remember how God brought me back to the place where I had won over that. And it is, remember the lilies of the field, how they don't toil or spin, how they don't worry about the soil composition or where the sun is shining or, Mm -hmm. you know, if the wind's going to blow, like they just grow in a field and they're taken care of and they have zero worries. And so I needed to remember that if that lily is loved that much, I am loved that much and my children are loved that much, even more so. It says even more so, how much more can the father love you? And so I just named it Remember the Lilies because I think it's super important that we have to remember how important we are to God. And if the lilies are that important, my kids were that important, and I knew that I had to release them to God, and worry wasn't going to win anything. Mm-hmm. So I had to battle through that. Instead of worrying, I was just going to go to a place of, God, you've got my kids, and mm-hmm. you've got my kids, and you've got me, and I'm going to believe in this, this story to be true because it's in the red letters, right? Jesus yeah. is saying the story. And then when I got to look at what the lilies really were, they are actually called red anemones and they are red, white, and blue. And so as I began to just dig in that, I was like, oh, how God, is that night the Lord? You that know is saying? the coolest thing. <laughs> so I, we went and we ordered some red anemones from out of the country because they were not, uh, they're not like a native grown thing, but they grow in Israel. And that would have been the flower that Jesus was talking about. And it looks like a poppy, which is like another, a close cousin to a military flower. Like remember yeah. the poppies. And so we just, on the cover photo, we went out and we found a field and I, I stuck. Okay. So that's what's on the cover. I thought that they were poppies, but they are. They're the red anemones. Yeah. Okay. So we ordered them in from out of the country and we 
you know, got those little plastic things that you get the florist with the water. And we stuck mm-hmm. those all over in the field. And then I got my son's military boots and we put those in the field and we took the photo for the cover. So um, it was it's just really a reminder to me that in everything that God has created, he has got to love us the most, mm-hmm. you know. And so to remember a lily and how much God loves that flower, it pales in comparison to how much he loves me, mm-hmm. how much he loves my boys. Mm-hmm. And so I have to stand on that truth that the safest place my boys can be is in the calling of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And and I can't worry about that. Right. And before we wrap up, I want you to describe one of the tricks that you did to help you not worry. And that was, you said you painted rocks. Yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah. So one of the things I did to conquer worry before this ever came about um, is I realized that I was letting worry win in my life and I was making worry be the biggest thing. My eyes were off of Jesus and I just believed that worry was going to be the biggest thing. And I knew I had to get a hold of it. So a lot of times what I do is something tangible in the flesh that's going to mirror something that's going on in the spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. I just believe that there's things on earth that that mirror heaven and that God gives us that as examples. So what I did is I took a, I went out and got a rock and I painted it red and it was a rock that was meant to have the blood of Jesus on it. Mm-hmm. And every time that I would worry, I would pick this, this red rock up and I would imagine myself throwing a, a rock at Jesus while he's on the cross and saying, what you did wasn't big enough to cover whatever I'm, I'm going through. Mm-hmm. What you did isn't going to cover my kids. What you did isn't going to heal my marriage. What you did isn't going to, um, like the work of the cross isn't big enough to cover what I'm going through in my life. And I knew that was the biggest lie from the pit of hell. Yeah. What he did was big enough to cover it. And so the way I had to get a hold of it was pick up that rock and say, Sherry, would you throw this at Jesus? And would you tell your savior on the cross what you're doing isn't big enough for me? And I knew that I would never do that in the flesh. Like mm-hmm. I would be broken before the cross, you know, at, at my savior, at what he did for me. There's no way I would ever throw a rock in the flesh. Mm-hmm. So how, why would I do that in the spirit? So choosing worry is a sin. Choosing worry was letting that win. And choosing worry was actually saying to Jesus, you're not enough for me. Mm. And so I got over worry super fast because I'm never going to look Jesus in the eye and say, what you did isn't big enough. Mm-hmm. The book is called Remember the Lilies, Learning to Release the Power of Heaven Over Our Children. You can find it on Amazon. And then is your website SherryMotchek.com? It is. Yeah. Okay. So you can also purchase it at SherryMotchek.com. You can follow her on Facebook as well as Instagram. Are you anywhere else as far as social media? Just those Those two places. Yeah. Two are the biggest ones. Any last words that you want to give to it could be a military mom or it could be any mom going through a hard time of worrying about her children or just worrying of just letting go. Yeah. The book has a lot about that, like how you let go of your kids. It has a lot about just the empty nesting and how we have to release our kids into the will of the Lord. But I just want moms to be empowered. Um, a lot of times we are really hard on ourselves and we feel like failures and we feel like we haven't done enough and we are the worst to ourselves. But God is calling us to a place of you have rightful standing and you have power as a mom and you can release that not only over your kids, but over your children's children for generations to come. Mm-hmm. Like you have a standing to war and be strong. Even when you feel like, you know, you messed up and all you're covered in is baby poop and spit up. There's power in what you're doing and how you're raising these little people to become adults. And as adults, you still war on that battlefield for them. Yeah. I love that. Well, Sherry, thank you so much for just hanging out with me today and sharing your heart. Again, I cried throughout the whole book and your heart is on paper and it was just absolutely beautiful the way you really executed your story. So thank you for putting this in book form and being, oh my gosh, no, 
I want one more thing. I know I said one last thing, but I, I lied. <laughs> one last thing. Yeah. Your book is in prison right now. Yeah. Your book is getting to people that you never thought. Crazy, right? Yes. Yeah. So tell me about that before we go. Yeah. So uh, just really quick, part of what um, I'm a part of is we oh, we started a nonprofit just fighting human trafficking. When you say we, you and... My husband. Okay. Yep. So we, we started a nonprofit to fight human trafficking in West Michigan. And that has coupled us up with some amazing men in ministry and the men's ministry that's coming out of this, they go into the prisons and they actually work with men who were traffickers, but are now prison chaplains and they've Mm -hmm. been redeemed and their lives are restored. And so one of the books that, that I was, I gave away to some of the speakers that had come, that book made it into a men's prison, which is part of this man's ministry. And I got a letter back from prison from one of these men who who was a trafficker and now he's restored. And he said that he passed the book around and he said, Sherry, your book has got hardened criminals in a fetal position in tears before the Lord, knowing how big God's love is. And I just thought, oh my goodness, this has nothing to do with trafficking. This has nothing to do with men. <laughs> this has nothing to do with that. But when you begin to just share how big God loves us, how big God loves our kids, it just, the Holy Spirit does the rest of the work. And Mm -hmm. so this is an immense prison and has nothing to do with them, (laughs) but the reach of God is so amazing when you start to just declare the goodness. So if you have a story, write it down. You know, you never know whose heart you're going to touch. You never know. Never know. Who would have thought? No, Men's prison. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. (laughs) Again, I promise I'm wrapping it up. Thank you, Sherry, so much for sharing your heart. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of the Unique On A Purpose podcast. Whether you are a recent military mom trying to navigate your new life or whether you're a mom of young kids and you just want to raise them the Jesus way, I highly recommend Sherry's book, Remember the Lilies. I have a link to purchase the book in the show notes. Don't forget to share, download, and subscribe. And remember, you were created unique on purpose. You are loved And because of Christ, you have been made worthy. I'll see you right back here next week.